with my quail and pigeons. I was selling those to guys for training bird dogs. So they'd go plant the birds out in the field, send the dog out, run them up, shoot them down, have the dogs bring them back. That was the niche that I found that I was trying to fill. It's that kind of stuff that you really got to look at. You got to find, you know, where your market's at. What niche can you fill? Who are you serving? And how can you market to those people who you are serving? Alrighty. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Farmer Story Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Render. And today we have the privilege of interviewing Cameron Moore. He is the owner operator of Moore Produce in Western Michigan. And yeah, so today we're going to get to know his story, why he got into farming, and yeah, just get to know a little about him. So thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So first question right into it. Tell me a little bit about your farm, what type of farming you do, and yeah, just kind of tell me a little about your farm. Yeah. So I started 2020. That was about two years ago now. I started out produce. So I was running, you know, green beans, sweet corn, squash, all the good stuff, all the good stuff we here in West Michigan like. And then slowly I've been kind of expanding that a little more. So I've been getting into uh, poultry. I run about 300 head of chicken, 50 head of turkey, handful of quail, pigeon, pig or two. So we got all sorts of stuff going on here, but it's mainly poultry and produce. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about how you got into farming. What made you want to start doing produce and all those things? Well, it was pretty much 2020 and all the world ended. And so they sent me home from school and I sat home for about a week and said to myself, you know, I got to get out and go do something. So I went to a town north of me. I know a guy up there, bought a tractor from him, bought some equipment, rented out some land and I just started farming. I just got into it. I don't really know why. I just felt right. I went and did it. I think first year I had about eight acres, way too much. Next year did about five, still way too much. So this year we're going to try a little something more uh, reasonable that I can do all my myself rather than making people work for me because that's where I took a big hit. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you just said you kind of work by yourself. Are you the primary worker or do you outsource some of your work or what does that look like for you? Labor was probably one of the biggest problems for me in the past two years. When you start out, my best advice right now is start small, do everything you can by yourself. Because mm-hmm. once you start getting bigger, you got more work to do. And that's more work on yourself. So you think you need more people. But the more people you bring on, the more you got to pay them. And for the most part, the people you can afford to pay are going to be the people who do the least amount of work possible. And it gets very frustrating very quickly. But labor is a big thing to consider going into farming. So just look at your acreage, look at how much output you're planning, how much you're going to be farming your acreage and go off of that and then figure, you know, what can I do by myself? What can I do with my equipment? What will cost the less on me and make the biggest profit? Yeah. So if you're working by yourself, what does a day on your farm look like? What do you have to do to keep your farm running smoothly? The first year I did it, I kind of did it part-time, so I was still working a full-time job during the summer. I was running all that, but last year I just did the farming, and so I woke up about 6 o'clock in the morning, went out, fed my animals, so that took about 30 minutes or so. I had about uh, seven quail cages, two pigeon cages, 
plus all the birds. And I was running birds out in the field too. So I would get up at six, right around, feed the chickens, feed all the birds, pigs, run out to my fields, feed the birds in the fields. And then I'd get going. That took me normally about till 7.30ish. And then I'd get going doing my field work. So for a long time, it was weeding and picking beans. Once beans come on, man, they go nuts. So I was doing a lot of picking beans, a lot of weeding. Earlier in the season, too, I was running a greenhouse. I didn't set that up this year, but that greenhouse was a lot of fun. But that was a lot of work, too. Mm -hmm. Didn't make any money off that. But, you know, just kind of kick around the fields for a while, weeding picking produce, spraying if I need to. That's another big thing is water. If you don't have water in your fields, that obviously makes a big difference. So I had a 500-gallon water tank that I would fill up and empty in my fields, and that normally took about two hours a day, an hour a tank. So I would try and go and spray that. And I only did it really when I needed it. After it rained, you know, I would kind of let it go for a little bit. But if the plants were looking bad, then I'd go run a tank out to them. But yeah, you know, that was about it. And call it a day right around four or five o'clock. Get something to eat, go to bed, do it again. Yeah, no, that's a lot every day to keep everything running smooth, especially when you have multiple things like chickens and your field and different things like that. So when you're doing all those aspects of your job are there parts or aspects of your job or the agriculture industry in general that you think that people who aren't involved wouldn't necessarily understand or know about oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. a lot of people i feel when they're asked that question they immediately think to the livestock sector of agriculture but it's a lot with the plants too like you can't grow broccoli in the middle of July. You know, it's a cool weather plant, all right? And a lot of people don't know that kind of stuff. They think, oh, put a seed in the ground, wait a little bit, give it some water, and it sprouts. Well, that's not how it works. Every plant is different. Mm-hmm. It requires different, you know, water levels, light levels, nutrients. And they suck different stuff from the soil, too. And, you know, so, you know, that's why a lot of guys rotate between soybean and corn, because the soybean puts the nitrogen back in the soil. And, I've been trying to do something like that. The ones that are heavy users of nitrogen, I try and plant beans after them and keep it going like that. But there's a lot of things I wouldn't say necessarily misunderstood about the plants, but it's just a lack of information. That whole animal thing, that's just a whole nother can of worms. Like There's a bunch of stuff in the cattle, pig, chicken industry that from an outsider looking in, it looks really bad, you know, because I do a lot of livestock auction going up there, buying and selling. And quick little story there, my ex-girlfriend, I brought her up there and they were out showing goats. And mm-hmm. she turns to me, she goes, Cam, I don't like how they're hitting them. And I just look at her and I'm like, that's what you do. That's how you get a goat to go. You bring it in one door, put it out the other, use your little sticks, guide them along. And I feel like that's probably the most experience I've had with the whole misinformation or whatever. Yeah. It's like, in industry, everyone knows that's fine. But outsider looking in, it's like, oh man, that don't look too good. And even at the chicken auctions, you know, guys picking up five, six chickens in one hand all by the feet. You know, it doesn't look very good, but it's really the best way to do it. 
easiest way on the birds and for the people handling the birds. So I can kind of get on a soapbox about that sometimes, but for the most part, I feel like as long as you aren't just focusing on like the negative and like what people are saying against it and you go in with an unbiased opinion, asking someone who knows what's happening, feel like you'll get a pretty good feel for the industry as a whole. Yeah, because I know that animal welfare is a big issue with people who are against agriculture industry or against people who, you know, grow and animals, especially in a bigger things. You know, you said you talked about people who have seen the way the animals are treated and think that that's not okay. How do you implement that in your farm? It's, is animal welfare something that you have to deal with when you raise your animals? So are there practices you have in place so that, you know, your animals are well cared for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The whole animal welfare thing, you know, it's almost obvious to me, like if you're caring for the welfare of your animals, you're going to have a lower quality product and that lower quality product's going to make you less money. So that's really the way I look at it. You know, the better my birds do, the better my pigs do, the more money I get. So that's obviously something I want to do. So as far as animal welfare, I'm cage free. I'm pretty much free range, except for the quail, but that's another thing there. You can't free range quail. Like you just can't do it. They'll just go and kill themselves. Yeah. Cage system for chickens. It's kind of fallen out of fashion. Everyone's kind of realizing like, oh, this is kind of messed up. Chickens mm-hmm. should live better than that. And until they figure out something for quail, that's really the best system we got. Otherwise, yeah. they're quail. They're going to be stupid. They're going to get killed somehow. Or they just ain't going to come back. They don't home like chickens do. Mm-hmm. in spot but you know as far as animal welfare goes clean bedding is always a good one i go through every other year and put new soil down in the chicken coops to prevent merrick's disease and other viruses that can linger in the dust because i've had problems with that before so mm-hmm. i try and make that a semi-regular thing and just trying to give them the best i can do for them you know yeah definitely kind of switching gears a little bit When you first started out farming, what were some issues or struggles that you had, especially as a young or beginner farmer, that you think like older farmers might not have to deal with? Well, I'm not too sure because a lot of the issues I ran into, I feel like are across the board, you know, obviously water, weeds, labor. Those are three big issues. Mm -hmm. My own general inexperience. It all seems like stuff that really could happen to anyone, realistic. Yeah, well, you, if it's stuff that anyone can have, you can go into that as well. Yeah. You typically have to be just beginner farmer either. Well, I guess like I was mentioning before, labor is a really big expense and it's a really big task, I guess, to find good people to work for you for a price you can afford. Like, I got hustled by some sixth graders. I was trying to get them to work, pick beans for me. And I say, all right, boys, how's $7 an hour sound? And they look at me and they're like, eh, I think 10 sounds better. (laughs) I'm like, you guys are smart kids. Get out there. Labor is huge. I cannot stress that enough. Labor is where I took the biggest hit. Labor is where I got the most frustrated. And it sucks because it's probably very essential. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you definitely need labor for a successful operation, Mm -hmm. but you need your operation to be successful before you can pay for labor. So, I guess a big thing there, I started out too big. 
I was running about eight acres in three different fields all over town and it got away from me. So I weeds like crazy, cucumbers like crazy, beans like crazy, corn like crazy. I couldn't go fast enough. I was burned out by the end of the day. So just start small and I might even be overstretching now. We're only running two acres this year, but we'll see how it happens. Mm -hmm. But if you can get a good tractor with some good implements, a cultivator would definitely be really nice. Because then you don't got to go through and weed all your rows by hand. You can just ride your tractor around, which is way more fun than walking through the field. But row spacing, really important. Making sure you got good water out there for them and making sure you got a good crew of guys or girls, I guess. You trust to do the labor and do it good and that you can pay a fair wage to. Yeah, I think that's all really important aspects of running any successful farm. You kind of already touched on all the things that you are better at now or that you learned from when you first started out. Are there any other important things that you learned from when you first began farming to right now? If you can do it yourself, do it yourself. Don't pay someone else to do it. I guess one thing, you got to kind of find your niche. So big trend right now is like local, organic, non-GMO, whatever else they're trying to label on it. Whatever you can fall under, just label yourself it. So you're local, you're you're homegrown, you're organic, you know, yeah. if you can do it that way. Slapping all those labels on it as much as you can get, hype it up, that'd be really good for you. And adding on to the niche, kind of like find one thing you're good at and go with it. So if you like running your chickens and you find a really good market that no one else is in, you know, do that. like. With my quail and pigeons, I was selling those to guys for training bird dogs. So they'd go mm-hmm. plant the birds out in the field, send the dog out, run them up, shoot them down, have the dogs bring them back. And that was the niche that I found that I was trying to fill. It's that kind of stuff that you really got to look at. You got to find, you know, where your market's at, what niche can you fill, who are you serving, and how can you market to those people who you are serving? Yeah, definitely. So on the produce side, you know, you show up to a farmer's market. And everyone's selling is like, you know, the old farmers and guys like that. And everyone buying's like single moms and those kind of people, college kids. But it's very interesting going to big farmers markets like that because the kind of people selling are a whole lot different than the kind of people buying. Yeah. And I was in a Grand Rapids market once for a guy I used to work with. And that was one of the big things that I noticed that I was very shocked about. I don't know why, you know, seeing it now, looking back, I'm like, yeah, of course. But, you know, just the different people, like, I don't really know how to explain it real good. But a lot of those people who came by and bought stuff from us are people that probably know little to nothing about farming. Yeah. But they understand that this stuff is fresh, local, organic, non-GMO, blah, 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 whatever else I got to say about it. Yeah. If you got the volume for it, get into one of those big city markets Like, I personally didn't have the volume for it, and I was just in little markets, but Mm -hmm. that is definitely a really big one to get into if you can. But Yeah, you know, you just said something about the people that are buying know little to nothing about farming. Have you had anyone who's either misinformed or, you know, just not educated about farming? Have you gotten any pushback from anyone like that or been affected by negativity for what you do? I wouldn't say so, not necessarily. 
I really haven't got too much pushback, but with how big of an operation I'm running, you know, I'd be surprised if I did. It's more people like pointing at something being like, oh, is this this and this kind of tomato? And I'm like, actually, this isn't a tomato. This is a something else, whatever it was. But yeah, I really can't say I've had any pushback on what I do. It's been pretty smooth going for the most part. Yeah. And I know that, I mean, but you have a smaller operation, so it probably isn't as bad for you just because you don't have that big platform that some of the bigger farms do. Right. So getting towards the end of the interview, I always ask people these three questions. So the first one is, what is your motivation or the reason that you farm? It's the best kind of work I've found so far. You know, it's fun playing with the little chickens and all my other little animals, horse trading like that, buying and selling. And Mm -hmm. for the produce aspect, it's a lot of fun, you know, growing your own food and sitting down at the table, knowing that everything on the table is something you grew, whether it be, you know, the chicken or corn, potatoes, beans, whatever else it is. It's just very fulfilling work. I guess. Yeah, definitely. My second question is, what is your vision for the future of your farm and also the agriculture industry in general? The agricultural industry in general? I don't really know. I'm not too concerned with everyone else. I'm concerned with myself. For my farm, I'm not too sure. As it's looking right now, I might end up actually taking a break from it for a little bit, try and make some real money, because these past two years have just been a bust, honestly. But long-term goals, we're going to Georgia. I'm going to have a bunch of cows and a big old, just big old farm. Just have a nice big old farm, grow peaches and pecans. We got to dream big. Yeah, dream big. Okay, so my third and final question would be, what is your biggest piece of advice that you would give to either your younger self starting out or other young farmers starting their journey now? Start small. Try and do everything you can by yourself. And broccoli is a cool weather crop. So is Brussels sprouts. Don't plant them in July. You know that from experience? Yes. <laughs> oh, and don't start seeding too early. So last year when I did the greenhouse, I started everything in like January. Mm-hmm. That just went nuts. I didn't have enough space. I was way too early. I couldn't put stuff outside because they'd freeze. And I did the same thing this year. I did it again. And now Jersey and I scrambling for space trying to transplant everything that's getting too tall and leggy and that's just kind of a mess so start small make it manageable honestly do everything like less than you think you'll need because i guarantee you those little seeds look little but they get really big and then you got to put them in a bigger pot or if they're out in the field they just get bigger and then you got five rows of 50 foot bean and it can get messy really quick yeah start small don't hire anyone first couple years because you'll just get mad at them and it just doesn't end good it just frustrates you a lot more than it should that's good advice i think those are important points for especially young farmers starting out so thank you very much for being on the show today this has been great and i hope that we can talk again soon yeah thank you for having me thank you for joining us you've been listening to the farmer's story podcast Other episodes can be accessed on all major streaming platforms, or you can check out our website at thefarmersstory.com. If you would like to contact me directly, if you have a question or would like to be on the show, 
You can email me at kyliarender at thefarmerstory.com. All this information will be in the show notes below. Thanks for listening.